All right, Shimmer Man here with the double par shop, Tazria Medzora. Getting into some gematria. Let's just get right to it. Tazria, Tav, Zain, Resh, Yod, Ain. Tazria. So, the first thing I want to get into is that the word for Ezer is in here. When you say um, Ain, Zain, Resh which means help, and then you have the Yod and the Tav. And according to Sefer Otiyot, uh, we know just in general, Yod, uh, actually if you say that word and spell it out, it actually is the word for arm or hand. And then Tav, it says in Sefer Otiyot, Tav is the mark. So the marked hand that helps us. So remember Mashiach's hand was pierced. Remember that when we as gentlemen, uh, men, we wrap our arms in the tefillin on every day except Shabbat and Yom Tov. When we mark our hand, that actually is our help that brings us deliverance. So uh, another thing about the Tav, it says, Sefer Otiyot, the Tav begins with a Dalit. So, okay, we're talking about Mashiach because the Dalit, the door, Mashiach is the door, Mashiach is the Dalit. And it says, to which we add its left foot. It begins in the middle of the underside of the roof. The left foot should stop directly under the end of the roof. The right foot should not be too long, lest an average child confuse it with a final pay. Okay, so it begins with a dollar to which we add its left foot. So when you add that left foot, you're basically dropping a yod underneath the bottom. So yod dollar can construct the letter tav. And again, you have the word yod, which again is hand. Uh, tav is actually the name of a man calling God Tefillah. So Tefillah being prayer. Tav is the name of a man singing God's praises. Tehillim, Psalms. Tav is the sound of a man returning to God, Teshuva. Let's jump over to Yod. Again, this is breaking down Tazria. We took the Ayin Zayin Resh and we said help Help us do what? Help us yo tav this thing. Take our hand and put it to the tav. Because yod is the word for hand as well. So let's go over here to the letter yod and see what else we can do. Because now that we know about tav, let's see what else the yod is. Okay, so yod, it says smallest letter. Okay, so the smallest mark. Okay, the help of the smallest mark. Now, just think about that for a second. And we talked about previous uh, segment here in the intro, at least, that the tongue is the smallest, most swiftest organ of the human body. And it actually gives us access to the greatest of the mitzvot. Mitzvot that we do with our words are actually on a higher level than what we do with our hands. So the help of the smallest mark by saying Ezer, the Yod is the smallest mark, and then the Tav, because that would complete the word Tazria. So the Tav is the mark, the Yod is the smallest letter, the smallest organ, if you will, of our body. So when we help with our tongue hitting the mark, okay, and remember the mark is Torah, the, the mark is prayer, the mark is praise. So using our tongue to praise Hashem, that helps us. Also goes on to say that there is a tradition which tells us that the world to come was created. Again, think about this with your tongue like you can create, right? We can create with our words. It says that the world to come was created with the letter Yod. For just as it is bowed down, so will it be with the arrogant in the future. Isn't it interesting that with everything that's transpiring with COVID-19, there's a lot of arrogance that's being taken care of. 
it's kind of hard to say you're a god now when you can't go shoot your music videos and do concerts. Just saying. Or you can't go on the red carpet and promote yourself at the, the Grammys and the all the different award shows and just be worshipped as an idol, you know, because... Cause that that you can't do that anymore. So lots of arrogance is being taken down. Anyway, uh, so one of the things about Tazria is that you have this this word used in Vayikra, Leviticus chapter twelve, verse two, and it comes from the root word zara, which means to sow or scatter seed. And the first time this word is used is in Bereshit one eleven which is about the plants or the uh, the plants yielding seed trees. Rashi brings down Mazria Zara, which means that it's seed yielding seed. And it says should grow within itself so that some of it may be sown in another spot. Isn't it interesting? Like when you're speaking, you have to cultivate it within you and then you speak it out and it goes somewhere. And then it goes and does other things at that other place that it goes to, whether for good or for bad. And isn't it interesting that Tazria talking about childbirth, that the whole way that a human is born is there a seed of the man, seed of the woman that come together, interact. And then that child is birthed out and then they go somewhere else and then they do the same thing. So you perpetuate families and things like that throughout the world. So I thought that was really neat. Gematria of Tazria is 770 and 7 plus 7 plus 0 is 14. And then that gets us back to the word for uh, Yod, which is uh, Yod Vav Dalit, which are Sika Yod Dalit is 14 and that is hand or arm. So Yod. So the whole thing about Tazria is about a hand. And it says, when a woman shall give birth to a male child. And if you look at the mystic uh, interpretations, like, you know, Zohar and stuff like that, it talks about the Mashiach, basically, the man born of the woman, the supernal woman of Rachel. And how, you know, she's going to give birth to the Messiah. So, yeah, and then you just put that together with all the the other miraculous birth stories like Sarah, Yaakovid, Hannah, Miriam, the mother of Yeshua HaMashiach. You know, there are all these women who gave birth to a male child supernaturally. Every birth, by the way, is supernatural, which I think is really cool because in order or unless Hashem adds his hand to the picture, there is no seating. There is no development, no conception. Conception happens at the will of Hashem. So just because a man and a woman come together and they both give forth seed doesn't necessarily mean a child is going to be born from that. But it happens so frequently that we think, oh, yeah, you shouldn't have slept with that person. Now you're pregnant or boom, got you pregnant. It's like, no, not necessarily. Hashem is still in charge of that. You know, the sun rises, the sun sets, the moon comes out, the stars comes out, the seasons rotate. That's still Hashem. So, you know, we can't ever get into this delusional place. But uh, to that point, the other gematria of 770 is actually Team Shal, which comes from the word Mashal, which means govern and dominion as used in Genesis 1:18, where it talks about the two luminaries in the sky that govern the day and the night. So again, we're looking at this governing aspect and it all has to do with the hand of Hashem. So anyway, um, but yeah, I just wanted to point that out about the whole seed thing and uh, how amazing Hashem is to do that because the whole thing, Tazria, the Parsha comes right after we learn about, Eight, Parsha Shemini. We learn about entering in beyond naturalness, beyond the natural world. And remember, the first birth, i.e. the first human coming into existence, Adam. How did he get here? 
Oh, yeah, it was a virgin birth. There was no man and woman that came together to bring forth Adam. You realize that, right? So it's a supernatural thing for a human being to come into existence. Okay, uh, there's another style of gematria called ordinal gematria. So again, the format of where the numbers fall out in the consecutive order. So counting from Aleph to Tav, there are 22 letters. So you can count the position of each letter. Tav is a 22nd letter. So the, the ordinal gematria of Tav is actually 22. The regular gematria of Tav is actually 400. So depending on the consecutive order. So when you put Tazria into ordinal gematria, the gematria comes out to be 75, which is the gematria of Lila, which is nighttime. The gematria of Hayayin, which is the wine. You have the gematria of Cohen. The Cohen's gematria is the ordinal gematria of Tazria. What I love about Cohen, uh, and this comes from uh, Ish Pela sharing some uh, Rabbi Mizraki Shlita, uh, was talking about Cohen actually doesn't break down into uh, priest. Because in English, yeah, it's priest, but in the Hebrew, what's actually, what is Cohen? It comes from the word, the words ko noon, which means there is 50 or 50 is there. And that is talking about the 50 gates of wisdom and, or 50 gates of understanding, Slika. So the 50 gates of Chokmah, Slika, wow. The 50 gates of Bina. I'm going to get my words right here in just a moment. Uh, it's a little crazy right now because I feel like I'm flying upside down and inside out. Flip, turn upside down. And I like to take a minute, just sit right here. Tell you about a Cohen. Anyway, so the 50 gates of understanding. Let's break this down. Jewish wisdom and the numbers. Page 307. The creation of Israel in the 50 days between Pesach and Shavuot. Stop. Israel is called a Malkut Kohanim, a royal priesthood. Takes 50 days, which happens to be the ordinal gematria of Cohen for the creation of Israel. So to create a Cohen, it's taking 50 days. I don't know about you, but I'm just kind of like, what? So the Cohen is the embodiment of connecting us to the 50 gates of understanding, which is the, the whole thing about the heavenly and bringing that down to earth. So anyway, the 50 days that we're in from Pesach right now to Shavuot, we're getting created into a Malkut Kohanim. We're ascending the 50 gates of understanding. So 49 of them, we have the opportunity to do on our own. But the only way to get to the 50 is for Hashem to bring us into the supernatural. And how did he do that? He gave us himself. And we know Hashem is a Kohen. Midrash Rabbah brings that down because the only way we knew Miriam had leprosy is because Hashem Slika. I keep saying leprosy. So used to saying that. But the only way Miriam had Za'arat is because Hashem said she did. Because remember, the only a Kohen can pronounce someone a Medzora. Just because they look like a Medzora doesn't necessarily mean they're a Medzora. The Kohen has to tell them that. And a Kohen can't tell his own family members that they're full of Za'arat. So Moshe and Aharon are related to Miriam. So neither one of them could say, hey, Miriam, guess what? You have Zarat. You're going to have to go outside the camp. You're going to be in quarantine now. So it's like, so how do we know that she had Zarat? Well, Midrash Rabbah brings down because Hashem said she was a Medzora. Anyway, talk about the Kohen, the 50 gates, and how the Torah is Hashem. And now we know that the Torah is a Kohen. And so the, the Torah could tell us you know, what we need to know. 
And that is taking us into the 50th gate. So we have access to it, which is the whole thing behind why we have to die to ourselves in order to enter into the Torah, because the only way to get to the 50th gate is through death to your natural way of existing. So, yeah, so the die to ourselves. That's a whole Torah concept. It says that the 50 days between Pesach and Shavuot ties into another aspect of symbolism found in this number. God created the universe with Sha'are Bina, or Siga, Noon Sha'are Bina, 50 gates of understanding. So my footnote says, look at 27. What does 27 say? Rosh Hashanah 21b, right? 27, okay. So if you go to that tractate, Rosh Hashanah 21b, you can get more. Netarine 38a, you can also get more. And from the Vilna Gaon, Adaret Eliyahu, and Balak, it says, the 50 occasions Exodus is mentioned in the Torah correspond to the 50 gates of understanding. So each gate is getting us out of Egypt. So... The 50 gates is all about the 50 exits of Egypt. Okay. And it says the 50 gates relate to the ascending spiritual levels within the world through which man must pass in order to uncover the inner secrets of creation and in order to comprehend the powers, capabilities, and life forces within. In a sense... The noon Sha'are Bina, 50 gates of wisdom, signify the distance of how far removed man is from God. It is a incumbent upon man to pass through these gates of understanding in a journey to uncover the divine wisdom hidden in the words of Torah. Talk about being hidden in Mashiach. Well, there you go. Hide in the 50 gates is hidden in Mashiach. Okay, this often involves the deductive reasoning of Bina, which is understanding, which is where you derive one thing from something else. Bina is a cognate to Bane, which means between, which indicates the gap that man must bridge in order to approach in order to approaches his creator which I feel like is a typo. So I'm going to say that you have to take this gap that you must bridge in order to approach your creator. So the 50 days of the Omer parallel to the 50 gates of wisdom, the word or wisdom, the 50 gates of Bina, sleek guy, everybody. The word Bina further relates to Binyan, which means building. So the, not only does it mean to distinguish between or to derive one thing from something else, it also means to build. So that means when you're making distinction and deriving one thing from another, you're actually building. And remember, we build with our words or we tear down with our words. Hence why counting the Omer is so powerful. And the crazy thing about that is it seems like we're not even doing anything. It's like, oh, sweet little meditation. Oh, sands and brakas. Oh, yeah, Rebuka Shem. It's like, no. You're doing probably one of the most powerful, most universally uh, reconstructive things that you could ever possibly do in your life every night that you're counting the Omer. So you do the first 49 and Hashem's like, all right, I see your 49 and I raise you to the 50 which means a brand new Torah for you that you've never experienced in your entire life, which, by the way, just happens to be the same Torah you've been studying the whole time. But now more gates are going to be unlocked like the Spider-Man suit when Peter and Ned hacked it and found out, oh, my goodness, this suit has taser webs and instant kill and all that. You're going to find all these different things that are available in Torah, the same Torah you've been studying the whole time. But because you counted the Omer, you ascended to the 49, Hashem took you to the 50th, and boom. So it says the count of the Omer toward Shavuot is the process of building. 
where the Jew builds himself up from the lowly level of animal to the spiritual heights of godly being. It is his bid to traverse the 50 gates of divine wisdom. He endeavors to transcend the natural and to touch the supernatural realm where he will gain a clearer perception of God. So that's the 50. That's the Cohen. And again, the first Cohen mentioned in the Torah is Melchizedek, who is a Noahide. I mean, Slika, son of Noah. I mean, yeah, because it is always said that Noahides are sons of Noah. But remember, the leading son of Noah was Melchizedek. And that is the one who gave us the the Torah even before it was given. So when Abraham wanted to go study Torah, he went to Shem. When Yitzhak and Yaakov wanted to go study Torah, they went to Shem and Ever. You know, so, and Ever was the grandson of Shem. So, you know, just thinking about that is ridiculous. How about Medzora, though? Well, Medzora has the gematria of 400. And that's Tav. So Tav, again, that was the mark. Let's go ahead and get some more 400s on it, shall we? Where my book at? No, let's let's look at 400 in the wisdom of the numbers. Do y'all talk about 400 in here? This is a reference book usually for me, so I haven't really read the whole thing yet. So 410, anytime you see that, just know. Just know. It says the first temple stood for 410. The second temple stood for 420. I had a 420, I felt like, somewhere. But uh, that would connect to that. So anyway, for what that's worth, they do have 400. Hmm. Options. We got the land of Israel, 400, 400 square amot. Then it says a burial plot, 400 in Shekelim. That's what Abraham paid for Sarah's burial plot. We got displacement. We got tractates of idol worship. Uh, that's interesting. There were a total of 400 chapter divisions in Abraham's comprehensive Talmudic tractate. No, hold up. I believe it. I know. I was about to say, no, nah, I can't believe it, but I can believe it. Abraham had to have about 400 tractates about, let me tell you about these idols. Because listen, you think Yitro knowed about idol worship? No. Talk to our father, Abraham, the first Jew, by the way. He he knew it all. So obviously he would have his own Talmud. Anyway, so there's an Abraham Talmud. <laughs> 400 chapters. What did it say? 400 chapter divisions in Abraham's comprehensive Talmudic tractate. Footnote says, Avodah Zerah 14b. Other symbolic references to 400 in terms of idolatry include the 400 idolaters of Asherah fed at the royal table of the idolatrous queen Ezebel. From First Kings eighteen nineteen, and before or and before entering into battle against Aram, Ahav or Ahav consulted four hundred idolatrous prophets. Dude, one idolatrous prophet is enough. I mean, what is going on? So, is it any wonder that Medzora has to do with idol worship? Because guess what? If you're into Lashon Hara, if that's your thing, if you're into evil speech and damaging people and making bad names for other people, you're worse than an idolater. Because you're putting yourself in a 400 track tape volume of Abraham's don't get you some. So, man, what our mouth does, it can be super good or super bad. How about the homecoming? Let's do the homecoming. There's all these 400s. I want to pick a topic. If you want to hear any of these other 400s and you don't have the book, just send me a little voice message and I will hook that up for you. Bezrah Hashem. And uh, shouts out to our new Avenger, uh, 
Sir Lechaim, who is our Shomer version of Nightcrawler, he wants to do, uh, he would love to hear a podcast on uh, tearing up the evil decree and repentance and all that uh, from the different sources. So I'm getting that together. So Brukashim. But anyway, so just to let everybody know, I, I do want to help everybody be fully equipped because as Tony Stark says, I'm not the leader. I just like to make everybody look good. So anyway, uh, it says the historic subjugation of the four empires that has dispersed the singular nation of Israel into exile is not permanent and will not last. What footnote is that? 31. That's from the Maharal Netzach Israel 1. So what am I talking about? Remember uh, Babylon? Remember uh, Persia media? Remember Greece? And remember what we're in now, Rome? Those are the four empires that have placed us in the exile. This one nation, Israel, one nation under God, indivisible, who apparently we have been made divisible, (laughs) but it's not permanent. So uh, if you've seen, I don't remember which Transformer movie this is, probably Transformer 16 because there was like 25 of them. But there was one of the Transformer movies where Bumblebee like rolled up like a boss and like pulled up on the scene, transformed into his robot self and then like dispersed himself. Like he just broke apart all his parts. Like his foot went somewhere, his head went another place, his arms, his legs, like they were all over the part, all over the place. And then all of a sudden everybody's looking around and then all the parts like activate. The cannon goes off, shoots something, blows that up. The foot kicks somebody in the face and then the head punches somebody and then the whole body part forms back together and then he just starts wrecking shop, like tearing everybody up. And I'm like, say what? I wasn't ready for that. But anyway, that's uh that's basically I want to bring that up because that's that's us. That's Israel. That's that's to get you sums. We're going to be doing that uh, at the final exile that people are going to be like, wait, I didn't even know Israel rolled like that. You know, <laughs> be like, how come you didn't tell me Israel rolls like this? I did. What do you mean you did? You, it was in the Torah the whole time. You knew that Israel was like legit, but everybody wanted to talk bad about him and we wanted to talk bad about ourselves. But anyway, so that's soon to come. We'll be brought back together and everybody's going to be freaking out because Hashem's going to be doing all kinds of stuff to bring us back to Jerusalem. And yes, we're all going to fit in Jerusalem. I mean, we will be living in the land of Israel, but we're all going to have to go to Jerusalem because guess what? We all got to get purified from our state of impurity. And all of those of us who have fallen asleep uh, from previous generations in our current days and before uh, and until Mashiach returns, uh, we all got to get woken up. We all got to get woke (laughs) and we got to come home. So. Again, I'm looking forward to meeting Yehezekiel. Can't wait to do that. It's crazy. But yeah, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, it says the opposition of 400 negative forces of Esau will not defeat Yaakov. Like the exodus from Egypt after 400 years, the Jewish people will once again return from exile. They will come back to their homeland of 400 parsa by 400 parsa, because that's how big Israel is supposed to be. And it says, just as Abraham purified the land from the defilement of its idols, so will the Jewish nation, his descendants, cleanse it from impurity. They will then merit to return to their un, or they will return to their unified designated place to reveal the oneness of God. I just love all this redemption talk. It's so amazing that Medzora is connected to the 400, which is all about returning home from exile. And again, with Mashiach being in exile as a Medzora, again, Sanhedrin 98a says that Mashiach is a, is a leper. 
okay, a Mazora. And uh, that all has to do with this temporary displacement until the final redemption. So that's ridiculous. Um, but when you add a hey to Medzora, as in our verse, Vayikra Leviticus 14.2, where we read about the name of the Torah portion, ha Medzora is 405. So you add five to it. And it says that uh, this is used in Vayikra 23.10. And Vayikra twenty or and Yeshayahu twenty seven eleven, because the word is Ketzira. Yeah, the word Ketzira, Kuf, Sadi, Yod, Resh, Hey, has the same gematria as Hametzora. Ketzira means harvest or limbs, like as in your arms or tree branches. Man is like a tree, you know, so our arms and legs are called limbs, just like a tree has limbs. But anyway, I thought that was interesting because the harvester is considered to be a person that is leprous. Hmm. Mashiach, is he not supposed to be a harvester? Is he not supposed to gather in all the exiles? Did he not command us to go out and gather in the exiles? Just saying. In Yeshayahu 27.11, it says, When its bows or when its limbs wither, they will break. It says, When the small merit earned by Yishmael for honoring his father is used up, mm, all his bows will break. That's from Rashi. Bows refers to the philosophies of the nation, which will wither and break, i.e. will be shown to be worthless and will be attractive only to the foolish and arrogant. Descendants of Ishmael. Do we really have to say who those people are? Just just uh, go go look that up and you'll find out who they are, because this is really heavy information being brought down about them. And it says, alternatively, the verse continues the metaphor of the vineyard and indicates the lowly level of Israel at the time of the destruction. That's from the Radak and the Mahari Kara. So the vine withered up, dried out, and it was broken off. That's why the temple was destroyed. Hmm. Seems very descriptive of Mashiach that he was very weak and uh, he was sweating drops of blood. Uh, his throat was dry and parched, you know, and all of that. And he was broken for us and destroyed, you know, just like the temple was. Tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. Yeah, stuff like that. Talmud Baba Batra 10b derives from here that one should not accept charity from idolaters so as not to give them merits. As a result, their bows will break. That's from Rashi. That's kind of wow. That's like, do I sell my hummets to my non-Jewish friends or family members? I mean, that's kind of the same thing in my mind anyway. It's like, hmm, an idolater wants to give Zadaka. Hmm, if they give me Zadaka, they will gain merits and therefore they will be perpetuated. But if I don't accept their Zadaka, then they will have no merits and then their bowels will break. Hmm. Well, do we not want all people to be saved? So it's like, okay, so we can accept Zadaka from idolaters. And because we do, we give them merit for the world to come. That's incredible. If you want to have a heart for, <laughs> uh, even for people who are far away from Hashem, which again, uh, Stavsel Dot brought this down. He's like, yeah, that's why Christians are flourishing. They have all the merit in the world because they're some of the most charitable people you will ever meet in your entire life. It's like, ooh, snap. Okay. Or not snap because their vine ain't drying up anytime soon because they got all that merit. <laughs> okay. There's that.
So anyway, that's another gematria of Hamet Zora is Ketzira, and that's limbs and harvesting and whatnot. Oh my goodness, this is probably my most favorite thing ever. That the ordinal gematria of Ham Zora is 72. Let me let me go back because I was going between Hamzara and Medzora. So Hamedzora and Medzora. So let me let me go back over here. Make sure I got my got my ducks in a row. Okay, hang on. Stand by everybody. Talk amongst yourselves. Get this Gamatria engine pulled up. Going, going, going. It's loading. Come on, prep day. Boot up. All right. We're on the clock. The wheels, the skip the spinning rims. We're on the clock. All right. Uh, now I got to learn how to type. Um, Zora. Okay. And then I went to Ordinal Gamatria. This is what I've been doing all day. Just behind the scenes calculating. Yeah, it's Hamzara 72. So Hamadzora 72. Just for grins, what is Metzora and Ordonogmatra 67? Come on. Psalm 67. The psalm we're reciting during counting the Omer. Oh, come on, Hashem. Get you some. Come on now. And that's the psalm of the menorah. Remember, the light of the world is the menorah. And who heal? People who were Medzoras, the literal walking menorah known as Yeshua HaMashiach. If that wasn't crazy enough, the ordinal gematria of 67 is yod Hey yod Hey, which means Yah, Yah, the yod Hey the yod Hey Yeshua HaMashiach, which is a doubling because there's Yeshua HaMashiach, who is Mashiach ben Yosef, the suffering servant, and Yeshua HaMashiach, who is Mashiach ben David, the reigning and ruling king. So the two are one. So the Yah is the Yah. They're both one. So there's that. And it says Elu. So uh, Elu, I don't remember what Elu is. Let me go back to that. Elu, Yah, Yah is what that basically would be as a phrase, which is that gematria. Elu. Stand by. Calculating this out. Getting so excited that I gotta, <laughs> gotta stay on track here. Elu. Uh, okay. Hmm. Means towards. Okay, so they went towards. So they went towards the two Mashiachs, basically is what that would be. So the Aleph, the Lamed, and the Vav. So you got the Aleph, who is the, the head, the leader, the ox. And then you got the Lamed, which is the teacher. So remember, Yosef is likened to the ox, the Mashiach being Yosef, who is the teacher, the Vav, the man who transforms towards the two Mashiachs. So Mashiach himself going towards himself, i.e. unifying the name of Hashem, because that's what that would mean. Uh, that's the gematria of Medzora. If you look at the uh, ordinal gematria of Medzora. And then just because I want to see what else is here. Oh, Im Hashem. So with the Yod and Hay and Vav and Hay. So yeah, Mashiach was with Hashem just a little bit. But anyway, back to our 72. Um, 72 is one of the divine names of Hashem. 
which I find it interesting that basically Hashem's divine name of 72 is associated with one who is afflicted with a sickness and a disease that is brought on to people who are masters of evil speech. Of course, the Jewish wisdom of numbers don't want to talk about the divine name of 72, but that's cool. Rebbeinu Bakya does. So, Rebbeinu Bakya of blessed memory. Let it fly. Let me see where you at here. Uh, Rebbeinu Bakya. Yes. On Shemot 14, chapter 14. He brings this down. He says there are three verses in chapter 14 that comprise the 72 letter name of Hashem. Chapter 14 of Exodus. So 19, 20 and 21. Put those three verses together and you have the letters that are the 72 letter name of Hashem. And it says that uh, he goes on to say, well, let me read these verses. First of all, then the angel of God, i.e. Memtet, went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. Also, the pillar of cloud moved from in front and stood behind them. And so came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. There was a cloud and the darkness over here. Yet it gave light by night over there. Neither one came near the other all night long. Then Moshe stretched out his hand over the sea. Hashem drove the sea back with a strong east wind throughout the night and the sea or and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided. Those verses comprise the 72, 72 letter name of Hashem. And it says that each consists of 72 letters. So now we're looking at three times 72, which totals to 216, which is the Gematria of Chorev, which is the Mount Sinai. So Mount Sinai looks like Memtet and the Pillar of Cloud and Hashem driving back the sea with an east wind and bringing up dry ground for us with Moshe and the, the staff spread out over the sea. And remember, you had the bones of Yosef that the sea saw and fled from. You had Nakshon of the tribe of Yehuda that ran out into the water and the water got up to his nostrils and then the water went away and, and parted. Then you got Hashem himself who came down, stood next to Moshe and told the sea to part. Then you have the pillar uh, from Shemaim that was thrust down into the sea and that parted the waters. And then you have Memtet who descended from the throne of the heavenly ark and came down and the sea parted. So all of that is Mount Sinai. So that's ridiculous because we're talking about these three verses. And when you add up the 72 letters name of Hashem times three, because each verse has 72 letters in it. That's 216, which is the Gematria of Mount Sinai. Because Mount Sinai is called Horev based off the word sword, which is the Torah, because the Torah is the sword of the spirit. So all of that. And then it says Vayikra 14.2 that Medzora comes from the word Zara, which means to be struck with leprosy. And the first time that's used is with Moshe uh, at the burning bush where he gets this disease and then it goes away from him. And Benny B likes to bring down that he got this because he spoke Lashon Hara of Israel so he became full of Zarat and then he was healed of it. And then also the same thing happened to Miriam because she spoke Lashon Hara of Moshe. And by the way, Moshe is the equivalent of Israel. We learned that from like the Kehot Humash and things like that uh, from previous Torah portions. 
But it's interesting because whether you speak Lashon Hara of Israel or speak Lashon Hara of the Redeemer of Israel, they both cause one to contract Za'arat. So it's interesting because Mashiach is sitting in a place among people who've contracted Za'arat. And these people are in quarantine. And so it's, it's, it's really like this whole cosmic reset of like, okay, no matter which side you're on, whether you're speaking against the Redeemer or speaking against the nation itself, which by the way, is the ultimate firefight that's going on, which is why if you're a follower of Yeshua, that Yeshua slandered, it's like, he's not divine. He's not the King of Israel. You shouldn't be believing in him. His name is JC and all this kind of stuff. Well, that's Lashon Hara. But then it's also Lashon Hara to say, no, we don't want to be Jewish. We don't want to keep the Torah. We don't want to be a part of Israel. We don't want to convert. We don't need to be doing that stuff. So whether you're talking against Mashiach or talking against Israel, you're still contracting Zaharat and being placed in quarantine. And the whole world's in quarantine. Anyway, final thing I want to say is that the... The people who have Zarat, the Medzoras, they have to cry out this phrase, Tame, Tame, which means unclean, unclean. And it says, you shall cover your mouth. And again, with COVID-19, there's a lot of mouth covering going on. So again, just so crazy. It's matching up with the Torah portions, right? So the gematria of Tame, Tame is Kuf. 100 and it's also the gematria of the word hamaima which means to the water as in paro going to the water like the waters of the nile in shemot 715 you have the word maim in the middle of two haze so, the unclean, unclean is the same gematria as the water that this Medzora, namely Pharaoh, went to to be cleansed and purified. Because he thought bathing in the same Nile that the young Jewish babies were thrown into would actually cleanse him and purify him of his uh, illness. Of his Zaharat. So. That's very very disturbing. But what I want to go to. Is this Kuf. The letter Kuf. From Sefer Otiyot. If we look at Kuf. It says this. Kuf. Sometimes pronounced Kof. Is the voice. Which is Kol. Of a person, shouts out to Kola, because that's where her Avenger name comes from. Cole of a person proclaiming the oneness of God. Oh, who proclaims the oneness of God? Jews. And it's getting ready to talk about Kadosh. And I had a whole drop that I brought up on um, Instabam. See if I can find it. Have to go back a little bit, but I think I can find it. I think I can. I think I can. Talks about that by the very meaning of Kadosh, it means to be eternal. Let's see here. Yep, Sephorno. He says that Sephorno on Shemot 19.6. Goy Kadosh, holy, holy nation. Never to disappear from the stage of history. You will continue forever to exist as one man. So the nation of Israel is one man, namely the Mashiach. One body, many members. It says, as it will be in the distant future of which the prophet Yeshayahu, Isaiah 4.3, said, those who survive in Zion and those who will be left over in Jerusalem, all those who are inscribed for life in Jerusalem shall be called Kadosh, holy. The author is making the point that somebody called Kadosh is, by definition, immortal. So, yeah. So, the, the voice that proclaims the oneness of God is called Kadosh, and they're called immortal. Eternal life much? Coming from 
our proclamation of Hashem being the one true and only God, King of the universe. Uh, here it is. Such is Kof, the voice by which man allows God to be present by calling Kadosh. And the voice by which God asks if man wants him to be Kadosh. As in Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Adonai Zevaot. Melo Kol Haaretz Kevodo. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The fullness of the whole earth is his glory. The left foot of the letter Kof should be aligned directly under the leftmost point of its roof. Care should be taken so that the foot at no point intersects the roof. Because the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. No, that's not in here. But anyway. Uh, so when you get to that, when you're looking at Tame Tame, which is the gematria of Kadosh, that the very covering that is over the mouth and again, thinking about COVID-19, the very covering that we have is because we should have been covering and we should be. And may we always cover our mouth with proclaiming the oneness of God, spreading out the word of Hashem as a canopy over our face. That is the goal. That is what we should be doing. And that will heal every Metzora. So may it be soon in our days that we experience the final redemption with the return of Mashiach Yeshua and may we see the resurrection of the dead and may Hashem sound his coal, namely the shofar from Shemaim to raise the banner and gather the exiles from the four corners of the earth. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai ki lishuateka kiviti Hashem. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu Torah tembet, vekaye olam natabet okeinu. Baruch atah Adonai, noten ha Torah.